Welcome to Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 1, Winterfell. This is my review. Again, this show, the Game of Thrones reviews that I will do, are all a part of the Iconoclastically Bombastic Network, better known as IBN. If you dig this podcast, please go to the iTunes Store and give us five stars. It would be greatly appreciated. So, finally, the long, horrible national nightmare is over. Game of Thrones is back and better than ever. Not quite, but I was really happy that the show is back. What I do, and it's been almost two years, and I'm so glad to be back, but what I do for all of these reviews is... I tell you what I liked, I tell you what I didn't like. Then, it's kind of mixed, but this time I'm going to go over the questions that this episode raised. I'm going to do this week's MVP. I'm going to give the show a grade, and then I'm going to be out. The first thing I really liked was a very opening scene. It was a callback to the pilot episode. If you remember, the king... In this case, in the very first episode, Robert brought himself, consequently the Lannisters, because Cersei, he was married to Cersei at the time, Jamie was in the King's Guard, and obviously the Lannister children came along with them because Robert thought those were his children too. They came to the north. In that case, King Robert wanted Ned to be his hand. That was the whole reason for coming. So we got the call back. You have the northerners waiting for royalty to come. But this time, it wasn't a king. It was a queen. Danny and her procession come riding in along with Jon Snow. And the northerners are understandably skeptical. But we'll get that. Get to there. Uh, also, you had that kid climbing. Arya was once in that position as a kid in awe, seeing all these people come. Now she's standing tall, and she's one of the insiders and one of the powerful, where before she was like that kid. A more direct callback is that kid is climbing and Bran climbing a lot the first episode. One of the things I liked very early, when John got off the horse, before Sansa and Danny exchange the little bit of shade with their eyes, John goes over to Bran and he says, "You're a man now." And Bran says something like, "Almost." John, after he hugs Bran, he knows that something is off about Bran. Sansa is standing to their right, kind of in the background. Sansa smirks the second that John realizes that something is off about Bran. I don't know if that's just a sibling kind of smirk or if that's just I'm a bitch ha 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 you don't know anything kind of smirk I don't know if it was a you don't you know nothing Jon Snow thing but it was interesting I went back and looked and Sansa actually smirked so just thought it was interesting the northern tension is very realistic there these people are coming from a foreign land not even Westeros the unsullied are not from Westeros the uh Oh, my gosh. The Dothraki are not from Westeros. So you're dealing with people that you've never seen, that you only have heard about, and maybe the Unsullied, some of these people don't even know about. Maybe the Dothraki are uh, legendary, but they knew about them in King's Landing. But I don't know if the Northerners are quite as educated, and I guess it's similar with the people, the lords and the rich families, perhaps. They know more than the common people. 
So I thought that was realistic. They're skeptical. It's been established the Northerners are skeptical when they let in the wildlings. One of my favorite parts of the episode was Sansa versus Danny. She said, Winterfell is yours, your grace. But you could tell Sansa had the look. She didn't really mean it. When they got to the meeting, I don't want to call it the Royal Council, but they got to the meeting. They were all sitting up there, Danny, John, Tyrion, Sansa. Sansa makes very good points that, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? I made sure we had enough grain for every single person in Winterfell for the winter, but how am I going to feed all these Dothraki and all these Unsullied? Then she takes the shot and says, what do dragons eat anyway? Danny comes back with the burn, no pun intended. They eat whatever they want. So it's just good back and forth. You can see the tension that's going to be set up later that people don't like Danny. We've seen previously before Danny got to Westeros, a lot of people just fell over themselves to worship Danny. These people are not slaves. And they are not as willing to just bow to Danny like everybody else has, whether it be the Northerners or the remnants of the Lannister army. One of the first good scenes I thought that had any depth to it was when Sansa and Tyrion came together. They commented on how their different roles or how different their roles are from what they were the last time they met. She basically apologized for leaving him high and dry after Joffrey died or was assassinated. She commented on that was part of the wedding that she liked. Tyrion told us basically where Sansa stands in the show now. He basically said that every man that underestimated her or every person, including Littlefinger, that underestimated her is now dead and she's alive. And that's the experience of saying that she has survived all of this, and now she's one of the biggest players of the game. I know some people can't accept that, but she's one of the biggest pieces on the chessboard remaining. Right before we were done, Sansa, and we'll talk about more how she throws shade all the time. Sansa scoffs at the idea that Cersei is sending her army to assist them in fighting the White Walkers. Sansa immediately thought it was a joke. And she basically said Tyrion was foolish. At the end, she said, I used to think you're the clever, you were the cleverest man I know. So obviously, she's become one of the smartest people. And Arya says it later that Sansa's the smartest person that she knows. So throughout the show, they were telling you, hey, Sansa's smart. Hey, Sansa knows how to play this game. And Tyrion realizes he's got sucked in by maybe Cersei's fake or Cersei's very real pregnancy. Uh, we'll get to that later because a lot of people are very skeptical of whether Cersei is actually pregnant or whether she lost the baby or not. So that scene was really good. You saw the contrast. You saw what you needed in that scene. It was something. It was a show of reunions. There have been a lot of reunions because in the last two seasons because they're putting these characters together. I would like to note that Lady Tyrell and Cersei are probably the big, well, Littlefinger too, are probably the biggest influences on Sansa, and she's becoming more like those three, but in particular, she's becoming more like Lady Tyrell and Cersei. She's even started to do her hair the way Cersei has in different aspects of the scenes. I showed some of that last year, but like uh, 
Lady Tyrell. She has these sick burns that she does on people. You see it in the episode. She's always throwing shade at people. That's Cersei, something that Cersei does too. But she's ruthless and strategic like Cersei. And I wonder how far she will go. Some people think she's turning into Cersei. I don't think she'll ever be a true villain, but I do think she will fall into the ends, justify the means camp, and she finally will be a smart, strategic Stark, which we haven't had yet. Even Arya, as talented as she is, she's more prone. She's not a strategist. She's a soldier. She's an assassin. She's much more prone to react, to get revenge, than she is to strategically plan. We had the Arya John reunion, very sweet, cut and dry. They exchanged weapons. They uh, talked about things. They talked about Sansa. It's just good to see them back. Arya and Sansa stuck together in the very beginning because Arya accepted not Sansa. Arya and John stuck together. Arya accepted John as a full brother, which most of them didn't, and John accepted the fact that Arya was a tomboy and didn't want to wear dresses. Again, John is surprised by how things have turned out. No longer are Arya and Sansa at odds with each other. In fact, they are now allies. But that scene, it was just good to see them together, and you kind of reminisce about how things used to be. Another aspect of the show I thought was pretty good or not good, but funny, and probably created the most memes, is when the Golden Company came over, and Cersei, for some reason, was expecting elephants. And if you look and rewind it, like, she has a true look of disappointment. I don't think I've ever seen that look on Cersei's face. She was truly disappointed that elephants were not available to fight with. I don't know why she thought there were elephants. I don't know why it disappointed her. I don't know why she thought that elephants would fit on ships going across the world. But it became fodder for memes, and it was cute. And she also asked about the elephants, or she lamented not having the elephants again when she finished sleeping with Euron. So, you know, I don't know why exactly that happened, but I thought it was pretty funny, something to add to the show. And the memes have become endless that are talking about that. I thought Euron was fantastic. Euron, his cocky, arrogant self, demanding or convincing Cersei to have sexual relations with him, which with all he's done, I thought he deserved it. I know these women are going to have in their Instagram, Tinder, and uh, what else? Bumble profiles that uh, you pay for her whore, you earn a queen. But I would like to point out that Cersei slept with the man right after she said that. Bronn. Only nudity we saw in the episode. Bronze there with the horse. He's interrupted, and Quiborn wants him to kill Jamie and Tyrion, and he wants him to do it with a crossbow. And Bronze is like, "This fucking family." He's like, "What is wrong with these people?" He has worked for Cersei. He has worked for Jamie. He has worked for Tyrion, and <laughs> these people are nuts. And so he always tries to stay on the outside of it. He's just a sellsword. He doesn't care. He doesn't take sides. But I do think he has an affinity for both Jaime and Tyrion. He has no loyalty to Cersei. I know Cersei will pay him. But I feel like 
LeBron is not going to try to do that. I don't think he could do that, but who knows? We had a reunion between the Hound and Arya. Had a nice scene. I thought it was interesting that the Hound showed respect to Arya. He didn't call her a cunt. He could have called her a cunt. He just said she was a bitch, and that's how she survived. I like how Arya found, like, I mean, Arya was always tough, but she had absolutely no fear of the Hound. Cool scene. Good callback to their relationship. I wish they had a little more affinity for one another. And uh, the Hound says, hey, you left me for dead. And she's like, I robbed you first. So it's just Arya being snarky and a lot more confident because now she's a, an assassin. The last thing I liked, the show ended. A lot of memes about this. Jamie finally arrives in Winterfell. We're waiting for it. Bran says he's waiting for an old friend a few scenes before. Jamie arrives. He takes off his hood. He's already uncomfortable. He looks, and if you rewind, he's like, what the fuck? And he, you just see his eyes, you know, realize that that's Bran. And Bran just looks at him, and he's like, oh, fuck. Of all the people to see. That's the guy he sees when he first comes to Winterfell. To help, by the way, and to tell them that Cersei ain't coming. So that was all the good stuff I liked. On the other end, the bad stuff. The whole stuff with the Greyjoys was a mess. Euron, of course, is the bright spot being entertaining. But even his scene with Yaria is not cool. It's not that fun. It's quick. It's a waste of time. It's only there to establish that she's there so Theon can save them. Theon comes in. It's like some ABC show where you're saving somebody. You don't even see the fight of Theon coming in. You don't see any preparation. You just hear it. He comes in. He saves Yara. Yara hits him. It's just a waste of time. Sometimes I feel like you can see the strings. Hanging down from the because the last two seasons they want to get to these characters to certain points and they're not trying to use a lot of logic, they're not trying to use a lot of uh character building, they just want to get the characters where they want to get them for the end game and for the great scenes. It's just like they are moving the pieces and it's not chess, it's checkers to get to where they want. For the big battle scenes, essentially, or the big reunion scenes. So Theon's going to go to Winterfell, hopefully die trying to save somebody's life and his ultimate redemption with the Starks. I don't need it. They didn't need to go by the book anymore. Theon should have been killed. I don't see why Yara's alive or the Greyjoys. It's a waste of time. There are already too many characters, which leads us to the thing I don't like next. There's so many mouths to feed. You had the Hound. You had Beric. You had Sansa. You had Cersei. You had Quiborn. You had Bronn. You had Euron. You had, did I say Sansa? Jon Snow. Arya. Uh, Gendry. Goodness gracious. Bran only was in the uh, first scene when they arrived. You had a Melisandre. Melisandre, rather. You had Grey Worm. So many mouths to feed. I know what they're trying to do, but everybody can't have a scene. you got to condense this thing. There's so many characters. I think one of the good examples of how to do this, and obviously this was a movie, but the last Avengers movie, Affinity War, there were a lot of characters. I wonder how they did it, but every scene seemed valuable. It didn't seem like they were wasting time when they presented these characters. Again, two-and-a-half-hour movie compared to a TV show, so it's a little bit hard to do. 
I thought the scene with the kid and the hound and not the hound and Tormund and uh, I want to call him Cedric, but I, I always forget his name. Uh, the guy with the fire sword. Kid was creepy. He was gross. He was against the wall. And I, said, I had no use for it. The Gendry scene with Sansa. Gendry's there. He's the blacksmith. He's trying to make weapons. He and Arya talk. It's kind of weird. It looks like they got a little romance going. And I know in real life that she is Macy Williams is 22. But Arya started, what, 10-year-old girl? I don't know how much time has passed, but it's just a little creepy. Maybe in the real world back then, by the time you're 15, 16, probably maybe 12, 13, you start getting married. But with our sensibilities, it's a little creepy because they still make Arya look like a little girl. Now she's probably a teenager. Gendry looks like a grown man. For some reason, we're still on the I don't like list. For some reason, Danny was smiling at everyone. She smiled at Sam. She was constantly smiling at Jon Snow. She was trying to smile and be friendly with Sansa. The, the Danny I know, with all those names, Khaleesi, is arrogant. She is standoffish. She is royal. This is just like she was just a little schoolgirl on a field trip. And she doesn't seem terribly concerned about what's coming. It seems like John is the only one, and Bran, are the only ones knowing that they have the Night King is coming with a dragon, an ice dragon, and a whole army of the dead. That doesn't seem to be the focus of anybody else there. I guess Tyrion. So, yeah, she's smiling at everyone, which doesn't see her. I guess maybe John gave her the good stuff. And now she's a little friendlier? I don't know. Bran, in general, he's a creepy-ass kid. He's everywhere. I mean, he knows everything, but it felt like he was just around every corner. He's creepy. That created memes, too. The big reveal, John finally knows that he's the heir to the throne, that Ned is not his dad, and that he's a Targaryen. So first of all, he finds out he's been fucking his aunt. Well, I guess first of all, yeah, I would say that's the most significant thing. Then he finds out he's the heir to the throne. I just feel like it's anticlimactic. Everybody online has figured it out a long time ago. And so when it finally happened, I don't know if I wanted Jon Snow to discover it more organically or brand new. And he didn't tell him. Sam told him. And I don't know, the scene was well executed, but it just felt a little anticlimactic and it should have been a better way to do it. Maybe, maybe, I don't know how you could have done it, but you do it in a better way than they do or did. The most, the thing that I liked the very least is when they were riding the dragon. They spent 10 minutes riding the fucking dragon and it looked like a scene that would be in a Marvel movie of a superhero movie or a Disney movie of some kind, or right out of How to, Dra- How to Train a Dragon 3. Like, what on earth is going on? Like, I don't understand why we would have that. That is insane to me that <laughs> we're sitting there and we have to watch that. That That's crazy. That, that That's such such a juvenile, silly scene that I don't understand why that's in there. I guess they're trying to show you know, John and Danny's connection and that John can ride a dragon. But to me, 
it's just a little ridiculous. Like, what, what, what's happening? Why, why are we doing this? What's our reason for doing this? It's a waste of 10 minutes. You had the funny part with the dragon watching them and all that crap. But why are we doing this, folks? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Why, why is that there? Is that necessary? Is this, this improving the show? Is this making things better? And I would have to say it's a resounding no. No, that doesn't make the show better. This random scene, and then they talk about the cave, so I guess that's showing that the two people aren't going to make it because it was a call back to John and his his wilding girlfriend, Ugret. So I, I don't, like I said, I, I don't know the purpose of that scene. I don't think it's fruitful. I don't think it cares the storyline anywhere. So we got a few questions. Question number one, does Jamie know that Bran's still alive? I believe he, did, he didn't, uh, but I saw an interview with the actor that plays Jamie, and he said that, you know, he thought he was alive, but he didn't expect him to be there. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. They did say that Bran um, was alive. Tyrion told him that. An assassin was sent. Didn't get the job done. So we know that Bran's alive. But over time, I would think being so politically connected as the Lannisters are and the head of the Kingsguard and the de facto head of the Lannister army, somewhere along the line, they would know, Tyrion, not Tyrion, that uh, Jamie would know that Theon took over Winterfell and killed Bran and Rickon. That's all he would know at the time because Ramses did not tell that information. Nobody knew that information. They all thought they were dead until Sansa finally revealed it. Rickon actually died, and he found Bran much later. So you would think, it wasn't shown on screen, but you would think the way Westeros works and these people in politically high positions would know that the heir to Winterfeld was still alive. Ramsay Snow took over it because they, well, not still alive, would be dead. That's the whole reason Ramsay could take it over because there was no claim. So Ramsay, Ramsay married Sansa, so therefore he became the warden of Winterfell. So I don't know how Jamie would think that Bran's alive, but it looks like that's the way they're going to play it. Next question is what would John do or what will John do? John knows that he's the heir, but like everything else with John, he has to be urged into it. He has to be pushed into it. He has to be made into the leader. So it could be that Danny goes too far. They show hints of that. And maybe John has to do it on his own and he becomes the leader of the Iron Throne. I, maybe Danny and John go to separate and Danny does something to John. I don't know. But the way I feel is that at some point, John will, because she's doing too much. What's Sansa up to? Sansa didn't like Danny at all. She showed that openly. So that tells me she's trying to work an angle. She's doing something behind the scenes like it did with Littlefinger. I think Sansa is up to something, and eventually she's going to make a move of some kind on Danny. On the page, I said that maybe they withdraw their support kind of like what Cersei's doing, but the North draws their support because they believe in Sansa more than they believe in John, And you let the Unsullied and the Dothraki, they get picked off. There's a lot less of an army to be imposing against the North. 
and either you keep the North to themselves or maybe you claim the Seven Kingdoms. Maybe you fight Cersei. I don't know. I don't know if Sansa's ambitions go that far, but that's an interesting angle that I was looking at. What's Arya going to do with the weapon? She had this special weapon that had some kind of projectile thing, and I know that they... Valerian Steel, I know that Arya has her daggers, Valerian Steel, so maybe she's going to use that to kill a couple White Walkers or something. I don't know. Maybe she uses it to kill Cersei or the next of her name, even though the Hound's on the list. She doesn't seem particularly interested in killing him. In the trailer for the next episode, Jamie is on trial of sorts. He's before this council uh, with Sansa and Jon and Tyrion and Khaleesi, Danny. I don't think they kill Jamie. He's too important to the story. He's bringing them something of value. He's he's offering his uh, expertise on the Lannisters. He's also offering his expertise as a commander. And also Tyrion is the brother, and is his brother. And is he really gonna? Is Tyrion really gonna be happy with Danny if he kills Jamie? Do you keep Tyrion, a trusted advisor, the hand of the queen? Do you keep him in your stead if you kill? his beloved brother. I always do an MVP. It could be Euron showing the swag. It could be Cersei and her disappointment about elephants. I guess it could be Bran. I, I, I don't know. I don't, it can't be Bran. It could be Arya because she had 